Welcome to the Dental Business Podcast with your host and owner of multiple businesses, a mentor, investor, and dental surgeon, Brad Thornton. Hi guys, and welcome to the Dental Business Podcast. It's Brad Thornton here. This episode is an interview, and it's an interview with a man who, as you will find out, has got a very uh, powerful and a very emotional story. It's to do with mental health. It's to do with coming back from what feels at the time to be the end. We're all going through difficult times personally and professionally at the moment. We know mental health issues are higher than or the incidence of them is higher at the moment because of everything that's going on with coronavirus. And a lot of you may be feeling like, you know, you're in a situation where it's going to be very difficult to come back from the damage that's been caused by this period of sort of hardship and challenge. The reality is that no matter where you end up, you will always find a way back if you have the right attitude, the right mental strength. You know, mental health is a big topic. It's becoming something that more people are talking about. There's more awareness, there's more discussion, which has to be a good thing. But there are still too many of us suffering in silence. And it's so important to speak up, to reach out and to seek the help that you need. Try to identify issues early on. Now, Paul's story, you know, will will resonate with many, many others. And you'll relate to things that he says either because of how you're feeling and what thing you're going through personally, but maybe family, friends, things that you can identify in others. Now, Paul, in terms of sort of mental health and feeling like you've gone right to the edge, you know, Paul has been there. He has gone right to the edge. Now, what's different between Paul and many of us is that at the edge, Paul decided to take an extra step. I'll let Paul fill you in on the details. I'll let you uh, listen and we'll get on with hearing Paul's story. If you want to reach out to Paul because he said that he'd, uh, he'd welcome this, his email is in the show notes. So if anything to do with this interview affects you in any way and you feel that you'd like to discuss things with Paul, then please send him an email and he'd be happy to have a chat with you and see if he can be of any help. Like I said, wherever you are in the world, do not suffer in silence, reach out, seek help. Stay safe, everyone. Thanks for listening. Here we go with the Dental Business Podcast. All right, so... Um, thank you for joining us, Paul. Um, now, I reached out to you because I, I saw you on uh, some of the social media threads that were being, uh, when we were talking about various bits. So I, I got a, a flavor of what your story was um, over Facebook. So I reached out because I do think, um, I mean, your story is, there's a lot of threads to it, isn't there? There's a lot of things uh, that have happened. Yeah. Um, but I think the thing that I'd like to, to do with this because we'll we'll go through quite a few things i think but one yeah. of the the overarching sort of sort of benefits that you're going to bring i think to the listeners is 
is actually providing a little bit of help regarding things to do with uh, the mental health. There's actual business things as well. Um, and I think you've got uh, a very kind of powerful story, really. Um, yeah. Now, we're going to talk about the run-up to it, and obviously we'll talk about things that are going on at the moment. But do you want to give people an idea about what sort of happened that was the big sort of life-changing moment that happened about sort of four, four years ago, was it? Yeah, you know, that, that moment where everything changed. Yeah, it didn't change overnight. Um, I got through a stage where I owned a couple of dental practices. I was a foundation trainer, pretty successful. I was lucky enough to, to, to make quite a large amount of money. But in the background, I looked successful, but I, I was basically struggling a lot to keep up my workload, to keep running the practices. Then I got extra stresses coming in from the side, like one of my two sons has got serious um, congenital heart disease. And he was informed that he's probably going to need a heart transplant at some point soon. Um, so that was these little things building up. And it got to a point where I couldn't take it anymore and I started hitting the bottle and I became alcoholic. Um, which is a very difficult thing to admit because it's it's embarrassing. Um, I reported myself to the GDC because I was worried that I, I, I needed it to be out there. I would never treat a patient under the influence, never have done, but I did used to occasionally go into the practice and do some paperwork, which is you know completely out of order. And it's, like I say, very embarrassing for me to admit this. It got to a point where I was really struggling and I tried to take my own life. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. It, it, it preceding that, I got put into a couple of um, spells in a, a mental hospital, which is probably one of the worst things you could ever do with somebody who's suffering from a mental illness. Because generally speaking, these places are a bit like uh, a bit like prisons. You know, you're, you're, you're locked in. Um, you're sharing the ward with people who are, quite frankly, scary, scary people. Um, so I've been gone through all that. I got let out, went home, and I, I jumped off a big stairwell in my house, which was 35 foot and landed on my face on a solid oak table, um, breaking my neck at C5 level, which basically means that I've got no use of um, anything below my shoulders. Yeah. And um, as you can imagine, quite a life-changing event. Um, for, for, for me, probably the only thing that actually saved my life was breaking my neck. Um, so I always say and maintain that I'm lucky to have gone through that process and ended up like I am. Um, since then, I've been through several disciplinary hearings with both the GDC and with LATs and, and CCGs. Uh, I originally got um, some restrictions put on my registration with the GDC. Uh, restrictions involving being under the care of a, 
uh, a psychiatrist specializing in addiction uh, also to having regular tests of alcohol and whatever else which I went I followed through uh, after a while they reheard my case and they lifted those restrictions so I was given the full GDC uh, membership again uh, which I was really happy about since then, the GDC have been in touch and said that they want to remove me from the register because I haven't performed wet-fingered proper dentistry for over a year, which obviously is not going to happen because my hands don't work. So I don't understand the background or why they would want to pursue that. As this COVID-19 thing kicked off pretty much the same day that I started engaging with you guys on the internet. I had a letter from the GDC asking me when I could go for a hearing down in London at Wimpole Street, um, right. which for me is very difficult. I can't really travel very easily. All this was going on as most of the people listening and watching will know in a really stressful time with the, with the coronavirus, with businesses potentially going out of business with, with, un, uh, with, with, with um, lack of knowledge about what's going to happen in the future. So on top of this, I had to organize or try and organize a hearing at the GDC. Um, I asked them what the, charges were or via my uh, dental protection team asked what they were going to do at the hearing and mostly it was related to not performing dentistry for over a year apparently it's going to take four members of the gdc team to come up because they agreed to meet me somewhere up north four of them four days hearing to, 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 to hear my case in order just to take me off the register because of my lack of wet finger dentistry. And I just think it's, it's ridiculous that all this money is being spent when you and I are owning practices are, are, are struggling. Yeah. I think that's, um, they're just touching on that point. Actually, it, there is a sort of seems to be a, a lack of justification really, doesn't it? I think you're, that sort of part of your story, I think, I don't think anybody would understand that. Um, you know, the, the sort of the motivations or the, the end point, the end goal, I can't see why that's um, got any benefit to anybody at all or there's, there's any risk to anybody for, for not striking you off. So if you remain on the register, like you said, it's, it doesn't seem sensible to, to have to strike you off, does it? Um, no, I've done 30 years of NHS dentistry you know, purely NHS. And I'm a great fan of the NHS. I've trained lots of people as in foundation dentists, VTs, nurses. And I think I've put quite a bit into the NHS. Um, and it, it's, it would just be a shame, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. Going on at the same time, there was a lot of talk about the GDC being unfit for purpose and, and people signing on to this uh, petition to get rid of the board which I didn't necessarily agree with, but all I saw from the GDC were, were, were uh, 
like uh, protecting their own backs almost. Um, it was, I just felt it was inappropriate yeah. at the time. Um, I mean, what I want to try and do as well with this, what I want to pick out, because, I mean, your story, that the from from sort of being a successful practice owner to yeah. having, you know, that kind of massive, I mean, whatever you want to call it. I mean, some people would call it, um, I suppose, a, a breakdown, I guess might be the right word to use, yeah. um, to, to then get to a point where you felt you had only one option and then having to come back from that. And, you know, there's, there's so much going on. I think people listening and watching this, I think there are going to be people who, you know, if you look at your sort of that journey is a spectrum of, mm. of a, a mental health spectrum because you've, you've had to go from, you know, feeling one way to feeling completely um, possibly the polar opposite to a point where you yeah. feel the best option is is to, to leave it, to, to, to leave us. But then having the resilience afterwards to come back to carry because you still run your practice don't you you, you know when you had you had you know yeah. yeah i've sold one of them but i still run one and uh, it's doing really well um so there are going to be people that i mean especially at the moment i mean there must be quite a number of dentists and you hear of it on social media where they're sort of sat at home and they may feel that their business is about to, to go bust. They may be, I mean, I, this would be quite interesting for, for, for me to know, really. Um, you know, you became a point where you decided, right, there's, there's one thing that I can do. It's the best option. I'm going to take my own life. Yeah. Um, do you think when you, when you look back, because you must have had quite a bit of reflection since, do you think that there were signs earlier that, you know, were you heading down a road that, if you'd have yeah. been aware earlier, you may have been able to do something about it or, um, yeah. What, 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 what do you think? Absolutely. I mean, some of the things with, with, with the issue of mental illness and the stigma of mental illness, um, people will often say that, that there isn't enough help out there. Uh, you need to just man up and you know what? It's true. Right. We, we, we all have stresses. We all have an element of, depression every now and again and there's nothing you can do about it in my experience and i have been through every sort of treatment i've been through you know mental institutions i've been through medications i've been through counseling nothing works and especially if you get taken hold of by the, one of the, the the worst drugs ever invented alcohol you know it, it, it's an absolute killer and i think you know advice to people would be a seek help even though I, I didn't gain a huge amount from it but be, be honest to yourself your family your friends just tell them this is really difficult for me to speak about what i look yeah. back on as a weakness and i'm still embarrassed about talking about my addiction and my my, my spells and mental health institutions it's incredibly embarrassing for me and the only reason i'm doing it is so that if I could help one single person to maybe just take a step back from what happened to me, you know, I, I, I'm going to have to put up with the embarrassment. Um, was there an, one single moment? No, it was on, it was building, you know, it was a, a slow burn. It started off, you know, I would be like a functioning alcoholic, people would call it, where you come home from the surgery and have 
half a bottle of wine. I shared a bottle of wine with my wife pretty much every day. Um, and then it started building, it started building and building and building. And it got to a point where it was ridiculous. There was one point in my life I was drinking two liters of spirits every day. And it's, you know, I wasn't obviously working at this stage. I'd already stopped working, but it, 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 at that stage, that's ridiculous. Once you get to that level. Um, and do you think that that just, like you said, you referenced it a little bit, but that kind of accelerated your mental health issues that kind of made things worse. It, it sort of uh, accelerated the downturn, you know, you, um, the alcohol had a massive impact on that. Absolutely. You know, I mean, people would say that alcohol causes depression and then depression causes alcoholism. So it's a vicious circle. Um, yeah. I did actually go to a place called the Priory up in Glasgow for a month to go through their program, which works really well. Um, but it was incredibly expensive. It cost five grand a week to go yeah. to that place. Uh, it, it worked. You know, I, I no longer, well, you're told that you, you're always going to be an alcoholic if you were an alcoholic in the past, but I'm okay now because I don't drink, because yeah. I can't, you know, physically can't, which is great for me, which is why yeah. I maintain that breaking my neck was the best thing I ever did. Um, yeah, I, it's, uh, I was going to say, it's interesting you say that. I mean, I, I've said this before, and I've never really thought of something as extreme as this, but everything happens, you know, it's the whole, whole cliche phrase isn't it everything happens for you not to you everything happens for a reason and yeah. often when you look back at anything that happens you'll find things that have, you've benefited benefited from because of yeah. um and you saying that it's the best thing that happened is is quite kind of quite a powerful statement because able-bodied people who are sat here would probably think if they were to list the things that would be the worst thing to happen yeah. what happened to you would probably be up there wouldn't it um, people, you know, might pity me. I don't want pity. I don't deserve pity. I don't need pity. I, I just try to, you know, get out of this. From what I am now, if you look at me now, is by far, far better than what I was. If you'd have looked at me five years ago and saw this, you know, I, I look like a healthy, quite fit chap. I used to go to the gym a couple of times a day. Um, looks pretty you know, successful and well-dressed. But no, I was a complete mess inside. So you can't tell by looking at somebody what they're going through. Um, and that's the thing with a mental illness. It's all on the inside. And, and I suppose when you mentioned talking to people and getting it out there, in a way, it's really easy to bury things, isn't it? And push things down and, and use alcohol and, I mean, drugs and, and anything to kind of, cover over the top of it but you think the best thing to do get it up to the surface so so you can deal with it it is the best thing but big proviso on this you know i always was honest with the gdc with the local committees everyone and the amount of people who have turned their back and call me a disgrace which i, I understand but there's people who just won't even look at me in the streets anymore. You know, there's, there's, there's guys who used to be good friends of mine who will not even speak to my family when they see them out and about. 
it's just a huge stigma. Um, yeah. So, do you still think that because um, you've you know you've had a lot of resilience, you must have recovered a lot because you don't drink, you're still running the business. Yeah. Um, you know, you've been through a lot, but you're kind of, you seem, you, you feel, I mean, I get a feeling from you over this that you feel a lot stronger than than you were before, but you still say that you feel embarrassed and yeah. you still feel a bit, um, do you think that you've still got more healing and, and, and things to go then? Is it, is it like an ongoing process, do you think? I don't think I'll ever get over that feeling of embarrassment. It's just got such a huge stigma, especially the addiction side of things. It's, it really is a, a big weakness as, as, as far as I can see. And you know what? In the past, I may have judged somebody in a similar vein, so I can't complain. Um, and I'm not complaining. Like I say, I'm not looking for sympathy or pity. I'm just trying to, if I can help anybody to get over this, it would be great. And I think the main thing is, yes, to admit it. And also... With this coronavirus virus thingy, we've got to a stage where I think we we're sort of reappraising what's important in life, uh, and seeing that a fancy car and a big house really is not important. It, it's yeah. being with loved ones, you know. I've, I've, obviously, I'm class is extremely vulnerable, so I'm locked down for three months. I haven't seen my kids or my wife or my dog for for a good while. And I won't tell you which one I missed the most, but it goes boof. You know, it's a great time to try and sort of reappraise life and, and maybe fix things that are niggling away in the background that, yeah, there's like a massive reset button, isn't there? I think people may have been focused on the wrong things and just not realized it. And we're, yeah. we're, we're unable, if you know, you get tied up with work and especially doing what we do. Um, yeah. So sort of as a dentist, you know, you've got your stresses of patients, you've got your stresses of your business. Yeah. You've got all this going on constantly. I remember always having to give myself permission to switch off because I felt resentment if I wasn't doing some work. Yeah. And with a young family, you need to. Um, and we've just been forced to do that now. And I'm now thinking, how on earth am I going to go back? You know, how am I going to leave my kids in the morning? What What am I going to do? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm speaking to uh, several of my friends who are um, most of my ex-VT trainees than myself. Um, and, and they're loving the time off. They've got young kids, spending a lot of time with their kids and uh, – yeah, same. I told them the other day, I was speaking to a close friend, I said, it's going to kill you going back to work. Yeah. And they said, oh, I don't know if I can. Yeah. Um, and so thinking about people that have got a business that are maybe struggling financially or they're, they're an associate or an owner, and you must have had a feeling because you woke up in the hospital and you'd, you were paralyzed, weren't you? Um, yep. From the shoulders yep. down. Yeah. Now, at that point, did you think my business is done? You know, how, how did you turn over and turn around those massively negative thoughts and think, right, actually, what do I need to do to get my business back on track, um, make sure that it survives okay without me? You know, how, how did you do that from a business? Because, I mean, I want to try and give some, because you've obviously got some good business acumen to be able to run a practice from home. 
and mm. have built a team to be able to run it without you going or being there yeah. and then being able to from from what happened from your hospital because you were in hospital for, for a year weren't you for 12 yeah. months yeah, well, um, was, yeah you know being able to do that under such hardship and difficulty that's that must be quite a quite something it was it was a bit weird i mean i don't know if you can imagine it but you wake up and you are stripped naked i was in intensive care you're naked without having to put too fine a point on it you end up having to shit in your bed basically um you, you get nurses you know cleaning you or trying to look after you it's a very embarrassing situation again um then you come to terms with the fact that you, you you're, you're crippled, which for me wasn't a big deal. You know, I wasn't bothered that I couldn't walk, or my hands weren't working. I was more bothered that I thought, in fact, I couldn't scratch my nose because my arm wouldn't right, reach my nose at that stage, and that would drive me crazy. Didn't really think about work for that short period of time when I was in intensive care. Well, I say short, couple of months. What I did do the best thing I ever did in my life was 30 years previously when I got married to my wife and she was amazing. She stepped up and looked after the practice whilst I was out of action because you're right. Without that, I would have been knackered. Yeah. I would have been in. So she was amazing. She had no background in dentistry. She's a lecturer in quantity surveying at the university. So she was doing her job. Then she ended up looking after the practice as well. Or both practices at the time. So we, we, without her, I really would have struggled. Um, advice to people, I, you know what, just probably the m- most important advice is to, to, to try and reorganize your principles and your, your, your uh, requirements out of life financially yeah. and get to a point where you realize that money's not important. It is great if you've got a fancy car and a nice house, but you know, your health is much more important than that. And it's, you know, you can't be embarrassed to, to, to reach out and ask for help. Yeah. And I think, yeah, we're, we're, I mean, from a, from a business point of view at the moment, there are, you know, there's, it's kind of, you've got to try and just do everything, haven't you, to make sure that your business survives through this period. Um, now, yeah. When, what, what's your team like at the practice? Because, you know, do, what in terms of team building, I mean, how does it work at your practice then? Because you, your wife doesn't do anything at the moment regarding the practices now. Is it, is it you and you've got practice manager that, and is that how it yeah. works? Yeah, well, I had two practices. I had a, a big one, um, which was pretty much all hands-on for me. And that was the one that was difficult for my wife to look after. Um, we've managed to sell that one, fortunately, and we've got the smaller practice left. Yeah, and I do have a, an amazing practice manager there who's fortunately also a CQC registered manager now as well. Um, the reason, I mean, one of the reasons that I wanted to stay on the register is, is because of my two boys. As I mentioned before, um, I've got two boys, one's 25, one's 23. A 25-year-old is qualified as a dentist. And he does occasional work at that practice. The little one, he's the one who will need a heart transplant uh, at some point. He's in final year now at Newcastle. 
and I just would have loved to see us three of us on the uh, on the register together. It would yeah. just be a lot to me. Um, but uh, I, I think it's a, a selfish thing to to wish for. But um, that, that's really one of the main reasons. I also heard that you know, as far as owning a practice is concerned, you need to be TDC registered to own a practice. Um, in which case, if I'm taken off the register, then I think I would end up having to either sell the practice or or, or um, put it in someone else's name. But I don't think I'll be able to do that with my boys yet because they only just qualified. So I don't think they'll have enough experience to be CQC registered. I'm not sure exactly how it works, but um, I just I just really don't think that it's necessary to remove me. I don't see if I pose a danger to people that are treated in the practice. I really feel like I'm still providing a service. Yeah, it seems a shame you need to be taking those, you know, having those thoughts, isn't it, about, well, you know, do I need to do this, do I need to do that, when really, you know, as things are, it's everything seems to be working quite well. It just seems a bit, yeah. Yeah. A bit futile, really, doesn't it? Um, well, we're just dentistry to, to thousands of people. And then, you know yeah. what, I don't understand why the GDC would look at that as a problem. Yeah. Now, um, in some of our chats beforehand, you actually said, I can't remember, I won't quote for quote, but it's something like, um, you now live a fantastic life or something. Um, what, do you, what do you mean by that then? Um, for you now, what, what does that mean? My life is brilliant. You know, I don't have to get up and go to work, although I do. I can work remotely. I can enjoy life for simple things like, for me, food, drink, company. Yeah. Family. You know, love it. I was going to say dog walking there, but dog wheeling. Uh, <laughs> you ever see my dog? And so, uh, yeah, she was a bit nervous. I tell you what, they, they actually brought my dog into uh, intensive care in the wow. uh, Royal Victoria Infirmary. And uh, dogs are normally visitors into intensive care, but they smuggled her in. And she yeah. sat on my bed, and uh, this is the most devastating thing ever. She just jumped off the bed, wouldn't come anywhere near me since I got yeah. injured. And uh, that's probably the worst thing about my injury, or one of the worst things, was not being able to scratch my nose and then having my dog not like me anymore. So <laughs> it's weird how you, 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 you might imagine that being crippled would be something that would be hard to get used to. But it's not. It's other little bits and bobs that are more challenging. Yeah. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, something about the you know, bladder and bowel type issues it, it's it, there's yeah. no dignity when, when, when you're um, got a spinal cord injury like mine it's uh, you know the, 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 there's uh, there's a lot of challenging uh, issues as far as your uh, dignity and pride comes in um, but then you know by saying you live a fantastic life it does sort of make you realize that it's all about your perception, isn't it? And, you know, the way you view things is, is, is the most important thing. And, you know, reframing a situation can make it seem extremely positive or devastatingly negative. And yeah. I guess when, yeah, yeah. I suppose, um, 
and just thinking out loud when you were mentioning how you felt that you know despite what the advice is you didn't feel anything worked i guess um you know one of the benefits really of bringing things to the surface and trying to get help is that you might work on yourself to just reframe the the situation so i mean because you you know you view things differently now than how you did before um very much so. so you know for someone out there who is feeling extremely negative or you know depressed and having even having suicidal thoughts you know trying to communicate this but seeking help is still very very important isn't it that's that's the key message for them absolutely absolutely and if anyone's going through that sort of stage at the moment and looking at me thinking oh look he's uh, it must be terrible to be like this and to, to not be able to use your hands um it's not it's so good for me to be like this because i my rights should be i should be uh, long gone yeah. so if you're looking at me and thinking i don't want to be like that then take this opportunity just to ask for some help is what yeah. i would suggest you know admit or relate to people that you know and you trust and at least start that conversation yeah and do you think those conversations um obviously you're you know you're seeking help so you're getting somebody else maybe to share the load but you think by bringing it to the surface it enables you to deal with things better because you're actually making things real you know you're making it um you know what this this is it this is this is what it is it's more tangible now it's easier to deal with it Absolutely. You know, you can spend a lot of time hiding from yourself. I mean, as a, a, a alcoholic, you tend to be very good at hiding and, and, you know, pretending. But you do it not just from your loved ones and your your, your, your friends, but from yourself as well. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, the first step is to actually admit to yourself that there's an issue going on, there's a problem going on either with addiction or mental health and then to seek help. But yeah, if I could just get one person just to go and think, okay, let me just rethink things. Yeah. Let me just realize that this is not important. What is important is family. Yeah. Health. And um, you know there are other options. There isn't. There is a. There is another solution. There isn't just commit. You know there isn't just ending your life. There's not just that. There is another option. There is help out there. It's difficult to access. You know, don't get me wrong on this one. You know, it, it, it's it, it's out there. Yeah. But it, it's. And I think the dental profession, as a profession and not that caring as far as this is concerned, as far as the mental health issue is concerned. Um, yeah, it, it, I struggled. I, I did struggle to get help, I've got to say. Yeah. And even now, like I say, I, 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 there's not a lot out there that helps. Yeah, and I, I, was, I was just about to say, do you think... Do you think the tides are changing a bit? I mean, more people are talking about it, aren't they? So you'd hope that, that you know, because there's more awareness, because people are, are talking about it more, that would then stimulate the service, stimulate 
access stimulate options um, do you feel there's still a bit of a lag they're paying complete lip service to this it's just yeah there isn't a lot out there at all yeah what I would suggest is if anyone has this sort of issue or this sort of problem get in touch with somebody who's been through it yeah so you know if you can post a link in from my email address or my phone number I'd be willing to have a chat with anyone who feels that they can't cope because I can send them in the right direction. I can't cure it. There is no magic wand. You know, there, there are drugs, there are antidepressants, there's, you know, talking therapies. They work for some people. They don't work yeah. for other people. And that's the problem with the, with, the, with, with the mental issues. There's no hard and fast rules as to what works better for some people. Um, but, if it, you know, if I can make a difference to anyone, I would be more than happy. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I'll actually make a note to make sure that we put your email address in. Um, yeah. yeah, that's good. That's appreciated, is that? Um, right, so I think if we, you know, we, sort of, we spoke about how your life is good, you know, where, how do things look moving forward from a positive point of view then? What, you know, how old are you now, by the way? Sorry, I mean, I I'm know... 53. 53. Um, yeah. So, you so this was happening all through your 40s, but now you've got to a point where, um, I mean, do you think you're going to pass your practice to the kids? And is I that would the plan? So. I would hope yeah. so, yeah. I mean, you know, part of my issue at the moment is that I've got to live on my own with carers, 24-hour care. So I can yeah. never be on my own, which means that my... My wife and I now live apart, not because of any marital split, but because she doesn't want to be living with carers, which I understand. Yeah. So I've got my own little flat. Um, but I miss it terribly, of course. I miss my kids terribly. I, I speak to them every day, but I don't see them as much, especially because of the virus. So, yeah, it would be nice to pass that down to the kids. But it, it, it is an issue of having a purpose in life. Yeah, um, you know, obviously I retired. I was lucky to get a nice NHS pension, so I'm I'm comfortable. I can afford to to live in my flat. But it's having a reason, having a purpose, uh, which is you know you're helping me doing this interview. Even um, yeah. it's something to, to 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 maybe pass on to help and to feel like I'm contributing to society. Yeah. Um, but yeah, going forwards. Hopefully, pass it on to the kids. Hopefully, when my kids get a bit older, look after their kids. Do yeah. the old granddad bit. That's what I'm looking forward to at the moment. <laughs> yeah, and um, no just pressure. get the GD saving out of the way as well. It, it just it beggars belief, doesn't it? How they can prioritise that above the, um, the, the the crisis going on there. I just cannot understand how they're doing this, but anyway. Okay, brilliant. Well, I think um, I think the the important thing that I'd like people to, to the message is that I think I mean even if you don't realise this, um, I mean I think you do, but you know to be able to to come through something and still run the business and actually be, you know, what I can see is mentally strong now. 
after mm-hmm. going through such hardship and reflecting on it and feeling that it was a positive thing when you look back. Obviously, you don't want anyone to have to go through that. But, you know, we're going through a stage now where people may feel it's the end. They may feel that this yeah. is devastating to their business. But if they can look at what they can benefit from at the moment, you know, spending more time with family and, and actually yeah. enjoying life and re, refocusing priorities, that even though it might be as devastating as they think it is, you know, when you look backwards when we're in the future, things will actually be better off because of it. Um, and I think you're a, you know, you're a sort of, uh, a, sort of a, a guide to, to how you can go from one extreme to the other and look back and still, still see only that. Look, only through luck. You know what? The, 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 the highest cause of death for under 50-year-old males is suicide. Yeah. You know, above road traffic accidents, above anything else. And just by luck, I managed to get away with it. Yeah. And I, and I do consider myself incredibly lucky to be sat here chatting with you. Yeah. Uh, um, so if I can talk anyone out of doing, doing the job properly, I mean, you look yeah. at me as a failure because I didn't manage it. Just ended up breaking one bone. And unfortunately, it was a bone that was quite important. But yeah. Um, yeah it, if I can talk one person away from that edge, that would be amazing. That would, and we will, we'll put the email in the, yeah. you know, make sure that it's there just so people can reach out if they want to. Yeah. Right. That'll be great. All right, Paul. Well, um, thank you for the time. About your flat looks gorgeous, by the way. I, you know, it's looking, it looks nice in the background. Got me ball chair. <laughs> I know, yeah, it looks nice. Um, so yeah, thank, you, <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you for your time, and you know, I wish you all the best. Thank and, you, Brad. No, yeah, it's we'll, a we'll, pleasure speaking with you. We'll uh, we'll stay in touch as well.